part of Alabama caught our attention. Coal miners in one community, they've been on strike now for months. Working as long as 12 hours a day, seven days a week, in some of the most dangerous conditions. I really think that the labor movement is the single greatest force for democracy in the history of the United States. The story of Alabama is a story of not just resilience, but of militancy. I If we ain't all free, ain't none of us free. You're listening to Alabama's only union talk radio show, The Valley Labor Report, with Adam Keller and Jacob Morrison. Good morning, y'all. Welcome to The Valley Labor Report. My name is Adam Keller, and this is Shop Talk, our new Thursday morning episode we're producing every week with a focus on labor education, history, and training. It's Thursday, April 27th, and we're broadcasting live from Spice Radio Studio in the heart of the Tennessee Valley here in Huntsville, Alabama. Every episode is live streamed on YouTube and Facebook and is released on your favorite podcasting platform in the coming days. Today on the show, we're going to explore the legislative process, particularly here in Alabama, with a focus on how you can not only better understand the legislature, but also become a more active constituent. Just a reminder that the Valley Labor Report is a working class media collective dedicated to lifting up labor struggles throughout Alabama and across the South. We bring you Alabama's only union talk radio show every Saturday morning with the first half from 930 to 11 a.m. live on FM radio through WVNN here in the Huntsville listening area. The entire program is online via Facebook, YouTube and podcasts. And portions of the program are replayed on WZZA in the Shoals and WHIV out of New Orleans. We encourage you to check out our website, tvlr.fm, which we are currently expanding to feature more and more published articles, including news and commentary relevant to working people. You can also check out our merch at tvlr.fm store. And finally, we rely on donations and sponsorships to put out all of this free content. We appreciate the local unions and organizations that have sponsored ads on our main Saturday show. We are looking for sponsors for Overtime and Shop Talk. Uh, I'm excited we do have a sponsor uh, ready to come on in May of Shop Talk, but we really could use a couple more to make this series sustainable for the long haul. Beyond unions and allied organizations, we're also interested in other media outlets, union print shops and vendors, publishers, anyone who might be interested in reaching an audience of union activists and allies. Please hit us up if you have any ideas for sponsors or if you're interested in your organization becoming a sponsor. Our single biggest source of contributions comes from listener donations. You can make a one-time donation or a recurring donation at tvlr.fm slash donate. We also have a Patreon if you prefer to donate that way, and we'll even take a good old-fashioned check mailed to our P.O. box. Whether you donate, share, subscribe, or just listen, we appreciate your support, and we can't do it without you. We put out all of this content for free because we are dedicated to growing the Southern labor movement. If you share this mission... Please support however you can so we can have media by, for, and of the working class. So today, 
Uh, we're going to go back to training. We did some history last week with the Spanish Civil War and the United States' role in that conflict and uh, how working people were involved in that conflict. This week, we're going to switch gears back to training, and we're going to start with learning the legislature. Then we'll have an interview with Tara Bailey of the Alabama Channel to share what the Alabama Channel is and how it can help you monitor the legislature as an active citizen. Uh, and then we'll wrap up with part two of learning the legislature. So as I mentioned, we're going to be looking at the legislative process here in Alabama. Uh, some of the specifics, of course, are going to vary by state. But many of the basic concepts that I'm going to discuss today will translate for those of you who do live outside of Alabama, as I know many of you do. Before we start, I want to highlight some of the resources I used for today's episode. First, shout out to the Powerhouse in Montgomery. People Organizing for Women's Empowerment and Rights, or Powerhouse, is a longtime staple in the reproductive justice movement here in Alabama. Back in 2017, they put together a booklet called Power to the People, Learn the Ledge, uh, which I still find to be a re useful resource and, uh, you know, busted it out for today's episode. Obviously, the elected officials listed there have since changed, but uh, many, much of the information is still very valuable. And I wanted to take a special moment to, re to wish the, all the best for the powerhouse community and, and family. Uh, Mia Raven, who recently passed away, was the leader of the powerhouse, and for many years she was a determined activist and organizer fighting for a better state. Uh, you could find her at you know, any demonstration, any conference, workshop, uh, whatever the situation may be. Mia Raven was definitely a staple in the Alabama activism scene, uh, so you know, a tragic loss there for that community, and wishing all the best to the powerhouse. I also want to highlight Alabama Appleseed's handout titled Understanding Alabama's Legislative Process. In a similar vein is a fact sheet by the Arise Citizens Policy Project called Alabama's Legislative Process, Get Involved. Uh, both of those resources were very helpful in today's episode. So the legislature makes the laws of the state, right? We're talking basic separation of powers in our government. We have the judicial branch, the executive branch, and the legislative branch. And the legislative branch, the legislature, is responsible for making the laws. Legislators are elected by voters to represent geographic districts of the state. The legislature is supposed to represent and work for we the people. To make that idea more of a reality, it is up to we, the people, to be educated, active, and organized in order to affect the legislative process. Using your power as a constituent to influence legislators is called lobbying. You know, often we think of lobbying as the domain of professional, high-priced lobbyists working for special interest groups. While most of us working-class folks can't afford such things, our unions and organizations can and do engage in lobbying, uh, policy research, advocacy, and, and other related activities. But we as everyday people can and should engage in citizen lobbying, and particularly when we do it together with our fellow workers, we can have an influence on the legislative process. You know, why is that relevant? Uh, if you belong to a union, 
your union should or and almost certainly does have some sort of uh you know political coordinator type role um your union should have some sort of legislative agenda uh whether it's you know your international or national union uh, working in DC or you know more local on the local level uh when it comes to relationships with city council for example or school board uh and state legislators and the reason that's important is because laws affect our lives right these politicians they go to Montgomery, they go to the city, uh, you know, the county seat, they go to Washington, D.C., and they make laws that impact our lives as working people. It shapes the confines of our experiences. And so it's very relevant what these folks are doing. Uh, and it's very important that we as everyday people are engaged in that and, and we're informed and know what's happening uh, so that we know what we need to do uh, to make things better. So let's take a look at the legislative process here in Alabama. Members of the legislature, along with state officers like the governor and lieutenant governor, are elected every four years. The four-year cycle is called a quadrennium. Since we had our last election last year in November 2022, 2023 actually started a new quadrennium. So this is year one of four for the folks who are currently in the legislative session. The Alabama legislature has two chambers. The Senate has 35 members or senators from the 35 Senate districts. The presiding officer is the lieutenant governor. In his or her absence, the role is filled by the president pro tem, who is elected from the Senate by its members at the start of the quadrennium. The Alabama House of Representatives has 105 members or reps from the 105 House districts. The presiding officer is the Speaker of the House, elected from the chamber by its members at the start of each quadrennium. The Speaker pro tem presides in the Speaker's absence. As, as I mentioned, 105 to 35, right? So your reps have a smaller geographic district. Your senators have a larger geographic district. Uh, so something to keep in mind as you engage in citizen lobbying. The current Speaker of the House is uh, Nathaniel Ledbetter, and the current Senate pro tem in Alabama is Chris Pringle, uh, both of those chosen uh, to start off this four-year cycle. And of course, Kay Ivey is governor, Will Ainsworth is our lieutenant governor, and all of those individuals are Republicans. The annual period when the legislature meets is called the legislative session. The session begins on the first Tuesday in March in the first year of a quadrennium, the first Tuesday in February in the second and third years, and the first Tuesday in January in the fourth year. The 2023 session began on Tuesday, March 7th. The legislature meets on Tuesdays and Thursdays for a maximum of 30 meeting days within a period of 105 calendar days, right? So they have a maximum of 30 meeting days, 30 work days that must take place within a period of 105 calendar days. Tuesdays and Thursdays are, are uh, full session days. Wednesdays are typically committee hearing days. The last allowable legislative day for the 2023 session is June 19th. So June 19th this year is 
uh, the big date. We got to see if we can make it that far without anything uh, too wild happening. The governor may call a special session, so that's something to keep in mind. Uh, the session this year is supposed to end on June 19th. It started March 7th, uh, but there's always uh, a wrinkle could be thrown in there if the governor calls a special session, which they do by indicating in a written call the subjects to be considered during the special session. And while you're in a special session, no legislation on other subjects may be enacted unless approved by a two-thirds vote in both houses. A special session may last up to 12 days within a 30-day calendar span. And worth noting that this year we've already had a special session of the legislature at the beginning, uh, which was there to allocate remaining COVID relief funds. Uh, so that was, you know, the focus of that special session. Before we go into part two of learning the legislature, I have an interview with Tara Bailey from the Alabama channel, uh, and I really enjoyed talking with Tara, and I've really enjoyed learning more about the Alabama channel, uh, which is providing a critical resource to the people of Alabama. So for a little context, the legislature in the, you know, with COVID began live streaming its hearings, the committee hearings and, and the debates on the floor. Uh, however, that is not archived, right? So unless you're watching it live, you've missed it. And it's not very user-friendly. Um, the official website for the legislature is called Allison, A-L-I-S-O-N, and that's where you can look up legislators, you can look up bills that have been filed, you can find the full text of a bill, uh, you can find out where a bill is in the process, uh, and of course you can find out when bills are passed and signed. But Allison is not very user-friendly. Uh, surprise, surprise, something from the state of Alabama that is not really uh, you know, conducive to our best interest. Imagine that. So. Not only is it not user-friendly, the recordings are not uh, actually recorded and archived. You can't search uh, the recordings. And so those are functions that the Alabama channel is trying to do. Uh, they are filling a really important uh, void there. And, uh, you know, I'm going to let Tara speak to the Alabama channel and how that can be helpful for you as you're trying to learn the legislature and be an active citizen. All right, folks, you are still listening to the Valley Labor Report. This is Shop Talk, our educational series. And I'm really excited to have Tara Bailey joining us for this episode of Shop Talk. Uh, Tara, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Since today we're focusing on understanding the legislative process, it really seemed appropriate to have you on the show. Uh, because you were involved with something called the Alabama Channel, which launched recently to provide Alabamians with, you know, much improved access to the state legislature. So before we get into exactly what the Alabama Channel is, uh, I wanted to start if you could just introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about you and what got you involved in this project and what, what's your role in the project? Sure. So my name is Tara Bailey, um, and I am the director of the Alabama Channel. I live in Madison, Alabama, and have been here um, since, really in Alabama since 2004. 
um, but in Madison since 2016. And I'm here with my husband and three young daughters. And yeah, the Alabama Channel is a project of the Legal Women Voters of Alabama Education Fund. We're a nonpartisan nonprofit organization. And the whole goal is to bring greater government transparency and access to what's going on in the legislature so that people can get more civically engaged um, in, in Alabama. Absolutely. And, you know, I, like you said, it's nonpartisan. And frankly, it should always be a nonpartisan issue that transparency is important. Uh, and I think it's really, uh, it's really cool what y'all are doing. So what exactly was your role in getting the Alabama channel started? Yeah, so I was a member of the League of Women Voters, and I approached Kathy Jones, the president of the League, and told her that I was really interested in working on government transparency. Um, it's something that I had done as the president of I Vote Madison, which is a local um, nonprofit that uh, myself and Heather Morgan run in Madison, Alabama, um, and it's the same goal is to increase civic engagement, voter turnout in Madison. Yeah, y'all are doing very similar work with the Madison City Council meetings, getting those online for folks. And in fact, we've been able to use clips from, from your work on the show. So really impre uh, impressed and appreciate that work. Yeah, and so that's kind of where it started. I had that experience with Madison and realized that our legislature um, was only live streaming their meetings, but not recording them to go back and watch them later. And I thought, man, that needs to change. Mm. We need to do something about that. And so I started researching um, what other states had done across the country and found that Alabama is only one of four states who are not currently archiving and recording their legislative meetings. And so began just re-live streaming those meetings to Facebook and, and retaining those meetings from 2022. Um, and in doing some of the research that I had done, I spoke with Open Media Foundation out of Colorado. They actually handle all of the um, Colorado's legislative live streaming and archiving and got to talk with them. And they were really interested in the project we were working on and allowed us the use of their software for free um, for this project, which enabled us to not only just record the meetings, but make them searchable by transcript. So that means everything that's said in a meeting is easily searched through the Alabama channel. And I can show that to you in just a bit. Sure. Yeah, I think that's really cool. And, you know, that's a good segue into telling us a little bit more about the Alabama channel itself. You know, what is that? Yeah, so the Alabama channel is basically where we are archiving, we're actually re-live streaming, archiving and recording all of the legislative meetings, you know, because our legislature currently only live streams those meetings, which is actually a benefit from COVID. <laughs> um, we didn't even have those meetings live streamed before. Um, right. So there's really no way to see those meetings unless you were driving, you know, we're in North Alabama here. So you'd have to drive to Montgomery to see a meeting in person and you can't be at every meeting all the time, you know, it one day or one time there's sometimes there's four meetings that overlap on top of each other right. um so so we record all of those we make them available for anyone who wants to see it for free you know there's it's just a resource for people who want to get engaged want to find out what their legislators are saying about issues they care about um so yeah yeah i think there's a couple of things that really stood out to me you're saying one of four states in the country that does not currently archive its legislative proceedings. And that seems uh, not great. <laughs> uh, it seems like not a great statistic to be included with. 
Um, to me, I'm not a tech guru, but seems like if you have the technology to live stream, you should have the technology to to archive those if you're the state legislature. So uh, absolutely. Our our legislature actually live streams their meetings using Vimeo. Um, and so I believe it wouldn't be too difficult for them to retain those meetings. They're just choosing not to at the moment. And we're hoping that this project actually um, makes it a little easier to digest that it's not, you know, change is not so scary. They're not going to get a whole lot of complaints or different things. You know, it's just helping to educate everyone on what's going on. Right, right. So you said that you can actually search, you know, keywords on the Alabama channel, right? And and you can find maybe a hearing, a committee hearing that's relevant to the issue that you're you're passionate about. And I think that is really cool, really helpful. Um, yeah, you're welcome to uh, kind of show us a little bit about sure. that. Yeah, okay. Let me. And while you're pulling that up, I just want to say. This is something that I I think is a huge resource, and I wish that y'all didn't have to do it. I wish that our state legislature did it, just as a matter of fact, as, as on principle. Uh, but y'all are really filling a void here that is that is so essential. So really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. You know, all the states that surround Alabama, you know, Mississippi, Tennessee, Georgia, they all record and and archive their meetings. Um, but they use different softwares like uh, Mississippi actually uses YouTube. Okay. So they don't have the level of searchability like we're bringing with the Alabama channel, even in some states that are archiving their meetings. I mean, who can really sit through seven hours of a House of Representatives meeting just to find that one moment that you were looking for? It's kind of impossible. Right. So, yeah. So this is the website. And if you go to watch meetings. Whenever meetings happen in, on Allison, the legislative website, Allison, um, we re-live stream those meetings uh, to YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and our website all at the same time. Wow. So we're really trying to get as many eyes on the meetings as possible. So although you can watch it on Facebook or Twitter, or wherever you're at, um, we would encourage you to come back to the website if you want to search through the meetings because it's nicely laid out and you can search by transcript. And just to show you how that works, um, if you were here and you wanted, I know school choice was something I think you're interested in. Absolutely. Uh, so if you type in school choice and it search, it runs through every meeting we've ever recorded and it finds every moment where school choice has been mentioned. Wow. And so right now it's pulling up every time school choice was mentioned. So if we go down, I actually saw where it was mentioned today. And that was in the Alabama House Ways and Means Education Committee. You can see it has the 2023 here, so you know you're on the right year. Um, let's see. And then you can just click on one of these captions and wow. get a preview. And when you click on it, I'll show you how this works. That is the choice that parents have today. They have the choice uh, for a charter school. They have the choice to go to private school. They have the choice for a religious school, they also have the choice of going to public school. So you can see where it gets you right to those moments. Um, and one really cool thing about the Alabama channel is once you find those moments, you can share them with your friends and family. So hit share and it will share for exactly from the point that you found um, to Facebook, Twitter, or you could just copy the hyperlink, embed it maybe into a blog. Maybe you're somebody who 
follows what's going on in the legislature about school choice specifically, you can copy those videos um, into a blog. And if you wanted to find out kind of the whole conversation around it, you might move this back just a little bit and find out where it started. So that was uh, 101.56. And you can go down here and change where that's going to, that share is going to start. So then you can type in 101.56. And now when you share it, it starts right when at the moment that you want it to be shared out. So that's the pretty neat functionality about it. That is so cool and, and so impressive. And I got to say, it's like, it's helpful as a citizen. It's helpful as like a constituent who's interested. Uh, obviously, it's helpful for us who are doing media work it, it, with the Valley Labor Report. We're trying to expand and have more written content and, and original reporting. So uh, this has already been a huge resource for us at the Valley Labor Report. And I got to say, anyone who's at all interested in anything happening with Alabama, uh, your political leaders are making decisions about you that are going to affect your life. And, and they're saying a lot of things in these hearings. Uh, yeah. And sometimes it's really powerful to be able to hear exactly what is discussed and how it's discussed um, and pick up on some of the dynamics there. Yeah. And one interesting point is during committee meetings, um, the only thing that comes out of a committee meeting is whether a bill received a favorable report or not. So there's not even meeting minutes that are kept. So even if somebody goes down for a public hearing and speaks in favor or against a bill, that information never gets shared with the representative in the House that may not be in this committee meeting. So they're voting on bills that they haven't even gotten a chance to hear the public hearing or hear how it went in committee. So this is also a resource for educating our legislators a little bit more um, than they didn't, you know, they didn't have access to this before. So that's yeah. a great point. Yeah. I mean, because if, you know, something I mentioned earlier in the show is talking about legislators and their committee assignments and your particular legislator is only going to serve on certain committees. And when there are bills outside of, his or her committees, they're probably not super plugged into what's happening. Uh, so yeah, this is a great way you can actually, when you call or email your, your rep, you can share this link and say, hey, this is what your colleague said yesterday. How do you yeah. feel about that? Yeah, especially before they vote on a piece of legislation and you want to get your point across, it's really great to use this tool to, to do exactly what you just said and share that with them. Um, one thing that I found very interesting, uh, the beginning of this session, they changed the rules of how the House and Senate operates to where amendments to bills do not happen on the floor of the House or Senate. They happen in committee now. Mm. And so you'll have a bill get amended, substituted, all of these things, and then it'll make it to the floor of the House. And oftentimes, the members of the House haven't even had a chance to review all of the different changes that are happening in the committee. Um, and I think they did this to speed the process along a little quicker. Um, but what I've noticed is representatives like Representative Hall, uh, Laura Hall here from North Alabama, has gone up and, and said, okay, I have the bill in my hand. And they go through line by line and all the, she calls out every single thing that's changed in that bill so that the rest of the representatives understand what they're going to be voting on because so many changes can happen. And when you change a bill, it can be a pretty big change, even if it doesn't look very big. Like right. one little word could change the whole way the bill operates. Yes. And so I found that to be very interesting um, how they changed the rules on that. 
Yeah, I wasn't aware of that. I'm glad you mentioned that. And uh, yeah, just to me, it speaks to how powerful this tool with Alabama Channel can be uh, for everyone involved in the process, whether you're a citizen or, or you're in the media, you're a lobbyist of some kind, an advocate for your union, perhaps, um, but also an elected official uh, who is struggling to keep up with what what's happening and all the different changes. And of course, what colleagues are saying about it, because uh, sometimes in the committees, the discussions that take place help you understand the rationale behind a bill as much or more sometimes than what's in the text itself. Uh, at least that's what I've found. Yeah, absolutely. And, and one thing um, to point out on the website under resources, I've created a couple blog posts. And I intend to do some more of these on just different topics um, where I'm pulling video clips in about the different gun legislation that we're seeing or divisive concepts that we've seen come up a few times now. <laughs> um, and yeah. so click on one of those. It actually will go through and it'll show you um, meeting clips of where HB7 is the current divisive concepts bill that's going through. And you can watch the committee hearing and hear what the, you know, the public has said about this bill who showed up for this public hearing. And I think it's it can be pretty powerful to go back through all of that. And it goes back to 2022 to pull in those public hearings and hear what was said as well. So well, that is really cool. And uh, that one in particular, the review of the divisive concepts bills in Alabama is something that uh, I'm highly interested in and will be incredibly helpful as we write our May 13th episode, which is going to be focused on education in honor of uh, Teacher Appreciation Week. Uh, so that one in particular is very uh, interesting to me. Uh, but as you showed, there, there are other topics, whatever it is you may be interested in. Uh, there are resources available on the Alabama channel to find out more and to hear what's going on, uh, which all of that is important so that you, to take action, you need to be informed, right? You have to know what it is that's happening and, and why you should take an action, why you feel a certain way, um, what consequences may come from decisions that are made. So all of this is all about education. Uh, informing people so that they can do what they need to do as a citizen to be engaged in our society. And I think that's just really, really cool. And uh, you've, you've already kind of spoken to it a little bit, but, you know, why is this important? Why did y'all do this, right? You personally, you could have been doing many other things. The League of Women Voters, I'm sure, has many, you know, promising initiatives, plenty of other projects to work on. So, so why this? You know, I, I just think it's a fundamental need in our society. In order to understand government, to become more civically engaged, you have to see government in action. Mm -hmm. um, and it can't be done behind closed doors. You know, it needs to be open and transparent and easily searchable and all of those things. Um, and so that's really, I just have a passion for government transparency and feel like we all benefit when we understand how things work a bit better um, or know what's being said. I mean, like you said, some of the bills that they're you know, bills that they're passing are going to affect our lives each and every day. And this is your opportunity to understand why they passed a bill or and interject, you know, while the bill's going through the House or Senate, be able to find your legislator. And we have a little link here, find your legislator nice. and, and talk to them about how you feel about the bill. I mean, it's just a way to get engaged. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I love that y'all have that already on the website. Um, you know, it's, it's easy enough to Google, find my Alabama legislator, but that it's already on your website and easily accessible uh, as you're going through this information. I think that's very helpful as well. And I so agree about the government transparency. I have personally attended, you know, hundreds of government meetings. And um, let me tell you, it's it can be eye-opening uh, to hear what's said. Sometimes what's not said, you know, questions that you may have as a citizen that are never asked by your officials. Um, and I would always, when I represented public school employees, I always urged them to attend the school board meetings or if nothing else, watch the school board meetings online, right? Just as you can do here. So that right. people could, could understand what was happening, what was being discussed. Don't just take the rumor mill. Uh, don't take my word for it. Don't take the board member's word for it. You know, go back and, and, and see what's happening and observe. Uh, so I, I agree that government transparency is something that we should all be able to agree on. Uh, and it really benefits everyone, no matter your partisanship or your ideology. It's just good <laughs> to know what's happening. Uh, so yeah, I appreciate that. Um, Absolutely. It's, it's much like C-SPAN. It's basically C-SPAN for Alabama. Um, and you know, my dad would always say, I watch C-SPAN. I don't want to listen to the talking heads tell me what to think about something. I want to see the source. And I think that's what this is. It's the source. It's the C-SPAN for Alabama, really. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, so is there anything you wanted folks to know that you haven't mentioned already about the Alabama channel in terms of using it? Uh, You've already demonstrated a little bit of, in terms of how to find information and some of the uh, resources available. Was there anything else in terms of, you know, tips on on using the website? Sure. Um, if you want to search, you know, you don't just have to search a word. You could search a bill number. So if you are on Allison and you find a bill number, you can type in HB in the number or SB in the number. But if it's set in committee as house bill or senate bill <laughs> that's how it's going to come out in the search so you might have okay. to type in senate bill or house bill or hb or sb that's just a, a tip in searching um, also all of the committee meetings there are agendas attached to those and i will show you that real quick um, what i try to do is go through the agendas and as you can see here there were three bills discussed in this meeting um, so if you click on one, that'll take you right to that moment as well. Wow. So you can see the committee, you can see, you know, when the bill comes up and what was said about it. And so that's one thing to, to think about. And then I would really just encourage people to tune into the Alabama channel and listen. There might not be a bill that you care about. And then you listen to what they're saying and you're like, oh my gosh, I really care about this. This is really intense, you know? Um, so there's there was a bill the other day, just to mention one, where the House passed, um, there was a veterans building in Sylacauga, Alabama, and they sponsor wanted the house to basically say that this building did not have to meet building code for 10 years while mm. they raised money to get it up to code and that shot up a whole lot of red flags for people because building codes are what keep people safe in buildings and it was interesting because one of the people said um 
one of the representatives said, well, what kind of fundraiser are your fundraisers are you going to do in that building? He said, well, we're going to have a, you know, barbecues and different things. And he said, well, what's wrong with the building? Why is it not up to code? Well, it doesn't have a sprinkler system. <laughs> like That's just mm. pretty eye-opening. Some of the things that you hear, yeah, I don't think we should be circumventing building code for a special, you know, group with legislation. It just seems pretty wild to me. Um, so Right. And that's that's the kind of story that often will slip under the radar uh, and may not make it into media. So if you're, you know, if you're just kind of following from afar what, you know, AO.com and AO Political Reporter and the local news stations are putting out, uh, there's a lot you can miss there. And I think that's a great example. Yeah. And, and even following, you know, AO.com and the different news agencies, you might see that there's a bill discussed and they they do a report on the bill, but you might want to go back and look at what was said about that bill. And so you are able to find that on the Alabama channel. Um, as long as the meeting is live streamed, I will say not all committee meetings are live streamed right now. Um, so we, we live stream everything that's already being live streamed on Allison. Um, our goal is to potentially get somebody down in Montgomery so that we can begin recording these meetings in person if we have to. Um, but just that's the little caveat, you know, make right. sure that the meeting's live streaming in order to know if it's been archived on the Alabama channel. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because, you know, today's episode is all about understanding the process of the legislature, really so that you can be more active as a constituent uh, and try to shape the legislative process. And I have to say, if you're looking for an issue to get uh, get interested in, Maybe more transparency from government, including ensuring all committee hearings are live streamed, right? That should be an easy, should be an easy lift uh, and, and should not be controversial for your senator and your representative. So uh, if that's something you're interested in, maybe reach out to your senator, your representative. It's easy to find them uh, on the Alabama Channel website and let them know, hey, we should have all committee hearings live streamed just, just for the sake of the public. Um, and while you're at it, this this do an archive so that uh, the League of Women Voters aren't performing this function as much as we appreciate y'all performing this function. And y'all are doing, as you mentioned earlier, you're doing things that other states aren't. So it's not as if, you know, if Alabama started it, it would, uh, you know, do away with the need that y'all are meeting. Um, but yeah, it still just bothers me. It just bothers me when whenever... <laughs> Uh, you know, pro nonprofits have to band together and, and scrap together resources Sorry, to try that. to um, try to fill essential functions of government. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. That that seems to happen quite frequently in a in local government all the way up to the state level. That nonprofits typically you know take that on. Um, there's there's a bill I wanted to quickly mention HB two hundred nine that is one that would make it a felony for anybody to help somebody else with an absentee ballot. Yes. And so that's that's one to follow for sure. Um, it would make some of the work we do <laughs> um, illegal. So just handing somebody an application for an absentee ballot like we do at our voter service drives and registration drives would be a felony. Right, yeah, and we mentioned that uh, on last Saturday's show and it's something we're gonna continue to follow because I, yeah, I find it highly objectionable uh, you know, as I mentioned off air, I'm political coordinator for my local union, right? So it's very feasible that I may need to assist 
uh, some of our members in, in the absentee process, and I should not be risking a felony to do that, to ensure uh, that my brothers and sisters get to participate in the election as is their right. Uh, so yeah, I'm glad you I'm glad you did mention that. Uh, was there anything else you know about the Alabama channel that you wanted to share with our listeners that we didn't mention already? Yeah, well, before I mentioned that um, we only live stream meetings that are live streamed. And so in order for you to tell if a meeting is going to be live streamed or not, you go to Allison, the Alabama's uh, legislative website, go under today's scheduled meetings. And then when you do that, you can see what room they're in. Um, and let me show you. So finance and taxation, you see the screen come up, that's going to be live streamed. So that's one we've captured. Um, and you can see here our location is finance and taxation. If the room location doesn't appear on this list, it's not live streamed. Um, so if you go down to, let's see, room um, one, two, three. Room one, two, three is not live streamed. You can mm. see there's no no video there. So that's just a way to tell if if you're looking and you want to know if it's going to be live streamed, you're going to see it or not. That's how you can tell. Um, awesome. Yeah. yeah, I'm glad you glad you shared that. Uh, I got to say, this is to me super impressive. Uh, I think it's highly relevant to all of our folks who live in Alabama. Uh, if you don't live in Alabama, hopefully your state is one of the 46 states that's already archiving. Uh, but if not, you now have an example of what it looks like when we have folks who uh, actually pull together to, to fill an essential need in our democratic society. Uh, so, yeah, Tara, I really appreciate all your work on this project and the League of Women Voters for what y'all are doing. Uh, remind folks, where can they find the Alabama channel? Sure. It's just the Alabama channel.org and on social media, it's at the Alla channel. Um, and so you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, and yeah, that, that's it. And YouTube, of course. Um, and if you ever want to just wish somebody a happy birthday from the legislature, you can type in happy birthday and you will be surprised to find out that the legislature sings happy birthday quite often. <laughs> huh. uh, and I will just leave you leave you with this um, little rendition here as soon as it pulls up. Awesome. Yeah, so they it's it's running a little bit slowly. It pulls everything from YouTube. It automatically transcribes videos using YouTube. Um, of course, that may not be 100% accurate, but sure. pretty close, pretty close. So here, here it is pulling up. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Representative Rafferty. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, period. And with that, that's the that's the demo of the Alabama Channel. Sarah, thank you so much for your time and your willingness to come on the program. Uh, but more importantly, thank you for the work that you're doing with the Alabama Channel. Really appreciate it. Yeah, you're very welcome. Excited to be doing this work. All right, folks. There you heard it. The Alabama Channel. Check it out. All right, folks. So that was Tara Bailey with the Alabama Channel. I uh, really enjoyed that demonstration of the Alabama channel, and I was glad she showed a little bit of Allison as well. Uh, so for those of you not very familiar with it, you hopefully you got uh, 
a sample and something that can uh, help you get started. Obviously, if you're listening through podcast, uh, you did not get uh, the visuals. So I do en- encourage you to check out the, the YouTube video or the Facebook video so that you can see uh, what Tara was demonstrating when she shared her screen. Um, I think that will help you as you try to learn the Alabama channel and how to monitor what your representatives are doing and saying in Montgomery when you're not there to watch them. So I wanted to pick back up with learning the legislature and look at part two of this. And in part two, I'm going to talk about legislation itself. How does that work? The legislative process in terms of a bill becoming a law. Uh, And then also some tips and tricks on how you can be be influential as a citizen uh, and how you can make your influence a little more effective. So with the legislation, you know, ideas for legislation come from many sources, constituents, professional associations, businesses, unions, governmental agencies. All bills must be first cleared through the Legislative Reference Service, the LRS, to ensure bills are properly formatted. Any bill that does not pass during the previous session must be filed again in order to be considered in the current session, right? So if you have a bill that makes it pretty far this year but doesn't get all the way across the finish line, it will have to be proposed again next year. Uh, And, of course, the legislative writing process, you know, a lot of times legislators don't always write their own bills. Uh, sometimes lobbyists and uh, influence in special interest groups actually write legislation. Uh, one example would be ALEC, the Al- uh, American Legislative Exchange Council, uh, which has relied heavily on money from the Koch brothers and, and other uh, right-wing wealthy sources. And they propose bills and they shop bills around from state to state. And so that's why sometimes you'll see Uh, Some of the same kinds of bills popping up, not just in Alabama, but also, you know, Tennessee and Florida and other states across the country. So the process of proposing and passing laws is very similar in the House and the Senate, and every new law must pass in both chambers. A member of either chamber introduces a bill, which is, of course, a proposal for a new law. It can be introduced in both chambers at the same time by a member in each. That's called a companion bill. It gets a first reading and is referred to a committee by the presiding officer. The committee considers the bill in a public hearing if the committee chair receives a written request for one, which, pro tip, uh, always request a public hearing on a bill that uh, you're interested in, either to speak in opposition or to speak in support. A bill that passes committee is reported out to the full chamber in a second reading and placed in the general calendar for the next meeting day. And when I say reading, sometimes that doesn't necessarily mean that the bill is fully read out, you know, line by line. Uh, Sometimes it's just by title and by number. So on the next meeting day, the bill becomes eligible for its third reading and debate. The volume of bills, however, prevents most from being considered promptly. The Rules Committee places high-priority bills on the special order calendar. The bill gets its third reading by number only unless a member requests a full reading, usually as a delaying tactic, when its number comes up in the assigned sequence on the special order or general calendar. Debate in the full chamber begins at that time. When debate ends, the members vote on the bill. 
After the bill passes one chamber, it goes to the other chamber, and the whole process starts over. Once a bill passes both chambers, it goes to the governor to be signed or vetoed. So if she signs the bill, it's approved. If she vetoes the bill, it's rejected. If it's vetoed, it's sent back to the legislature. And in Alabama, a simple majority vote can override or reverse the veto. If the governor signs the bill or the legislature overrides a veto, the bill becomes an act or a law. Now, I know that's kind of a complicated process, so I want to, you know, back up for a sec and, and go through the, the process a little bit more. So the first thing, of course, is that the bill is filed and it passes the LRS, the Legislative Reference Service. It's properly formatted. When it's filed, it's given a number and it's referred to a standing committee. Okay. These bills are then published and accessible to the public via Allison the Alabama legislature's official website, which we saw uh, an example of earlier. So public hearing requests must be submitted to the committee chair prior to the bill being set for committee. So the bill's filed. It then moves to committee. Hopefully someone's requested a hearing in the meantime. When we get to committee action, worth noting that most bills don't even get that far. Uh, the committee agenda is set by the chair and published on Allison. The public may speak on any bill that has a public hearing. Committee members will vote to approve the bill as is, amend the language, or send the bill to subcommittee for further discussion. Bills approved by a majority vote, whether amended or not, are considered to have been given a favorable report and placed on the regular calendar, which makes it, which makes it eligible for debate. With few exceptions, bills failing to get majority approval are dead. The Rules Committee and the Special Order Calendar, uh, I want to make a note here that each chamber has a Rules Committee whose sole job is setting the agenda by selecting bills to be placed on the Special Order Calendar for the day. This priority selection makes this committee and its members very powerful. The full body must vote to approve the Special Order Calendar by a majority vote of the members that are present. If the vote fails or if the Rule Committee does not offer a Special Order Calendar, the chamber will consider bills in order from the regular calendar. So during floor debate, any, legislature, any legislator may introduce an amendment to change the language or offer a substitute version. A se separate vote is taken on each. It takes a majority vote of those present to pass a bill. Note, if the budgets have not yet been approved, a procedural vote called the Budget Isolation Resolution, BIR, must take place before considering any non-budget-related bill. A two-thirds vote is required to adopt the Budget Isolation Resolution. And that's worth noting because technically the Alabama legislature only has two jobs. Job number one is to pass a general fund budget, and job number two is to pass an education trust fund budget. We have two budgets in the state of Alabama, Education Trust Fund and General Fund, and it's basically what it sounds like. All education expenses, more or less, come out of the ETF. Everything else comes out of the General Fund. Uh, and that that's the only two things the legislature absolutely must do every year. Whether they pass a single other bill, uh, you know, doesn't really matter in terms of their job requirements. But they are required to pass the budget. And so that's why you see this, you know, parliamentary maneuvering so that some bills are considered 
and even passed before the budget itself has been finished. So, you know, as I said, you go through this process in each chamber. So if the bill starts in the House, you've made it through committee, you make it through the floor debate, uh, maybe there's amendments, maybe there's not, it gets passed, you start over, it gets sent to the Senate. You know, so in the Senate or the House, whichever, you know, tackles the bill second, they may decide to make changes to the bill. Uh, and that's when you may have to have a conference committee with three members from each chamber to work out a compromise. So if you have a House version and a Senate version and there's some differences, you know, sometimes it's minimal. Sometimes it's pretty substantial. And that's where that conference committee becomes important because they're going to iron out the differences to, to figure out what is the final version of the bill. Both chambers must approve identical versions of the bill by a majority vote. And, of course, the final step is that the governor signs the bill or vetoes it. The governor can return it to the legislature with specific amendments requested. And Alabama is one of the few states where a bill can become law without the governor's signature. Right? A simple majority vote is all it takes to override the veto. Any bill sent to the governor during the last five days of the session must be approved within 10 days after the session ends. Otherwise, it will not become law, and that's called a pocket veto. So the governor does have that, you know, little power where bills that are passed at the last minute or in the final days of the session, there's a time limit. Must be approved pretty quickly. So the governor from time to time may pocket veto some legislation. They didn't really support it. They don't want it to become a law. Uh, but they don't have to necessarily take a stand on that. They can just let it expire. So that is something to, to keep an eye out on. So that's the legislative process. And a bill that starts as an idea becomes an act or a law. How can you influence the process, though? Well, before a bill is introduced, of course, be informed about what's going on, what issues are important to you or your group, your community. Work with organizations that research issues and recommend policy changes. As I said, if you belong to a union, as many of our listeners do, your union has some sort of you know, procedures. It has probably uh, personnel dedicated to uh, lobbying, dedicated to legislative advocacy. So your union is going to be a great, great resource for you to know what's going on and you know, which issues are going to be relevant to you and your members. If your union is not doing a great job with that, uh, well, there's, you know, an opportunity to get involved, an opportunity for improvement. Uh, but if whether you belong to a union or not, I would encourage you to follow other organizations that do this kind of work and monitor the legislature uh, you know, listeners of this show will know that I'm a big fan of Alabama Rise. I'm a member, proud member, uh, because I think they do a, a great job monitoring the legislature. And I find out a lot of information from them and the work they're doing. Uh, but there are other organizations as well. The League of Women Voters, um, of course, is doing great work. And um, then you have specific interest groups who follow specific areas of legislation. Uh, for example, I know Energy Alabama, you know, takes a close look at any energy-related legislation. 
Alabama Appleseed and ACLU of Alabama are very engaged in criminal justice debates. So that before a bill is even introduced, just knowing what's going on and being connected to a network of folks uh, who are monitoring this can really be an, an asset. And of course, before a bill is introduced, you can talk to your legislators about the issues that are important to you and about introducing bills. And you can write letters to the editor. Uh, that's a very old school tactic, but it's still worth doing, in my opinion. Uh, now, newspapers have started to fade away, and so the old letter to the editor trick is not maybe what it used to be. Um, and so I'll put the caveat there that we could broaden that to mean get media exposure, right? Maybe you can write a social media post that can go viral or can at least, you know, get good engagement that maybe be that might be just as valuable as, you know, the letter to the editor. However, keep in mind legislators are reading the letter to the editor sections of the newspapers. They may not ever see your social media. Um, so that's something to keep in mind. Social media can be a great tool to help activate and organize folks, right, to uh, tell folks about events, to spread the word about a, a bill that's coming up. Um, there are def definitely ways to use social media to engage folks in citizen lobbying, uh, but simply posting your gripes online, not very effective. So what do you do when a bill is already in committee? Well, that's when it's a good idea to find out who is on the committee and contact those members, uh, right? And you can even let them know when you contact them, hey, I'm not your constituent, but because you're on this committee, what you're about to debate really has an impact on me and my life. If your legislator serves on the committee, that's even better, right? Common sense dictates representatives and senators really only want to hear from people that live in their district, people who can vote for them or against them. Uh, so that's really worth uh, doing if your legislator is on a committee where something important is about to happen. And as with all of these things, ask others to do the same. Ask other people to contact the committee members. Also important at the committee stage is the public hearings. Find out about them, spread the word about them, attend them if possible. You know, I'm up here in North Alabama, so I can't just go to Montgomery whenever I want. It's just not that easy. But that's where having a, a network and having an organization of folks really comes in handy. You know, for example, Alabama Rise will line up people to either testify for or against a bill in public hearing at the committee level. That's really important. <clears throat> Once a bill has made it to the floor, of course, ask your legislators to support it or reject it or amend it, depending on your opinion. Ask family and friends to do the same. And, of course, you can continue to use media and social media to amplify that, that viewpoint. Um, I was going to mention this at the end, but maybe worth noting here that in general, when it comes to contacting legislators, in-person is the top uh, followed by a phone call, followed by a letter or a postcard, followed by an email. You know, email is probably the least effective. Um, however, it's better than nothing. 
Now, let's just be clear about that. And sometimes legislators do read their emails and do respond. Uh, I received a response uh, a couple weeks ago from a legislator. I didn't like the response, but I'll give her credit for writing me back. So once it passes the House and the Senate, at that point, you know that the process only awaits the governor's signature. Uh, so at that point, contacting your, the governor is the only real option you have. Uh, if you want the bill signed, ask the governor to sign it. Uh, but if you want it rejected, ask the governor to veto it or pocket veto it if it's towards the end of the session. So how can you make that influence more effective? Those are a few ways you can you can have some influence on the process. How can you do that uh, more effectively? I would say plan your phone call. It's important to call your legislators, but it's important that you know what you're going to say. So have a little bit of a script you can use. You want to give your name and where you live. Identify the general reason for your call. For example, I'm calling about Medicaid. Mention if you're a part of a union or if you're part of an organization and that's really why you're calling, you know, you found out about something through your organization or union, you might want to mention that. Say, hey, I'm a member of IOTC 900. I'm a member of Alabama Arise, you know, and this issue is relevant to our members and I'm calling, you know, on behalf of not just me, but the rest of our members. Refer to a specific piece of pending legislation if there is one, including the bill number, right? You, gotta, you can't assume these legislators know every single bill. Uh, there's hundreds of bills, potentially thousands of bills. They're not going to know them all. They're not even going to read them all. And if you're early in the process, if the bill is still in committee and your legislator is not on that committee, they probably know very little about it. Okay, so keep that in mind. So to the extent that you can, make it personal when you have this contact with the legislator. Have a brief story, a brief anecdote about why it matters to you. In a perfect world, perhaps legislators would all pay attention to the facts and the research and statistics and, you know, shape their decisions based on that data. But that's not how it works. And oftentimes, anecdotal stories uh, carry a lot of weight with them. And so, you know, an anecdote, a personal story about you, your family, for example, that could really be more effective than giving facts and figures. And of course, ask them what you want. If you want them to vote for a bill, ask them to vote for it. Uh, if you want them to reject a bill, ask them to vote against it. You may even want to mention where the vote's going to take place or what committee it's in or any information you found, right? So if you've gone on Allison, you've gone on the Alabama channel, you know a little bit about the bill, include that when you make that contact so that the legislator knows you know what you're talking about, right? You might, ev you might even show up in Montgomery to, to see what they're doing. So direct contact is, is always best if possible. Uh, legislators do prefer to talk to voters in their own district. So, you know, keep that in mind. And of course, if you're not sure which legislators are yours, it's very easy to find that information. Google my Alabama legislator. Uh, of course, Alabama channel, 
as we just discussed, they have a, an easy link on their website as well. If you want to call, of course, they all have their own numbers, but you can call just the House or the Senate. Um, the House number is 334-242-7600, or you can call the Alabama State Senate at 334-242-7800, and you'll be connected to the switchboard, and you can ask for you know your particular senator or representative who you want to talk to. And if you get their secretary or an answer machine, you know, that's okay. Uh, just leave a brief message. Maybe leave out, you know, the, the personal story. Just get to the, just get to the point. Um, and no matter what kind of response you get, always remain courteous. Anger does not persuade. And I know that's easier said than done. Uh, I find many of the people in the Alabama legislature to be highly objectionable on a personal level and on a political level. I really, really dislike some of those people. Uh, and I, I find their actions to be very, very gross. But when I'm talking with legislators, I still have to do my best to remain professional and courteous um, and try to get the best response I can get from them. Right? Because common sense says, you know, if I just call and leave a voicemail cussing them out, uh, it's probably not going to shape the way they vote. As good as it might feel to do that every now and then. So, of course, as always, enlist other people to join you in taking these actions. If you're making phone calls, ask other people to call. and Have a phone calling party. Have a little party where you get together and do a phone blitz. That's something you can do. Uh, but postcard parties, all, you know, your union, your committee, your organization can get together write postcards or letters. It's always more fun when you're doing it with friends and it's always more effective uh, because legislators know that every phone call, every letter is just the tip of the iceberg, right? For every person who takes the time to call, there are many others who share your, your response and your concern. So if 10 people or 20 people call and write on the same issue, you know, think of the number of votes you're gonna portray. And as I mentioned, while phone calls, you know, in person tends to be more effective than phone calls, which tends to be more effective than writing. If you are writing, you know, a physical letter or a physical postcard is often better than email uh, because someone has to literally open up that mail. And legislators do usually read their, their mail. Someone will read it at least. Um, and of course, you can just mail the Alabama State House in Montgomery, Montgomery, Alabama, 36130. Uh, same for the Alabama State Senate. Uh, but they, they have their own personal addresses. Um, many of the uh, counties, for example, uh, Madison County has a, uh, a legislative delegation office. So there's a physical place here in the county where you can, you can show up or you can write letters. Uh, Use your own words best you can because form letters are pretty easy to recognize and less effective than personal statements. It can be handwritten. It can be typed. If it's handwritten, just make sure it's actually legible. Um, and, you know, f include the same information that you would include in the phone call, as I mentioned. Your name, where you're from, why, why you're writing. And put letter writing on your group's agenda, as I mentioned. You know, paper, envelopes, pens, stamps. 
it's a good investment. And as long as you're writing, remember your local newspaper. If you still have one, a letter to the editor, still a good tip and trick to use uh, when you're engaged in legislative lobbying. And make your, more, your voice more real with a face and a handshake. If you can, get to know your legislators personally. Arrange a time to introduce yourself, uh, especially if it's in between the sessions, right? If it's a slow period, the legislature's not in session, reach out to your state rep, reach out to your state senator and say, hey, I want to meet with you. Let's go get coffee. Let's, let's go meet. I'll meet you at your office. Um, some will be eager to meet with you, even if they you know, don't agree with your opinions. Some will duck and dodge you. Um, you know, listeners may recall that I was a lobbyist for over five years with the Alabama Education Association. And even as a registered lobbyist who was clearly representing, you know, quite a few people, uh, some legislators were very, very difficult to track down and did not want to meet with me and our members. Others were, were happy to. So it just really varies. And that may be something that, you know, impacts you and your, your opinions of that legislator, frankly. So if you can, invite them to a meeting of your group, right? If your union ever has an opportunity for uh, an elected official to attend, maybe you have a Christmas party or something like that, that's a good time to invite them and get to know them. And if you can, of course, visit the House and the Senate in person. And that's why on the Valley Labor Report, we've been promoting these lobby days by groups like Cover Alabama and Alabama Rise because uh, it's obviously a lot better when you do it as a group and it's easier for you as a, as a citizen when you're doing it with other folks. So for more information, of course, visit the legislature's website, www.legislature.state.al.us. You could also just Google Allison, A-L-I-S-O-N, and you'll find more information. You'll find the contact information there uh, for the legislators. And my final reminder is that members of the Alabama legislature work for you. Your tax dollars pay their salary. So never be afraid to contact your elected officials and voice your opinion. You should. You can. Believe me, if you're nervous about it, if you've never done it, you can do this. It is not as scary as it may seem. If you feel like it's not going to make a difference, well, I understand. Uh, especially in a place like Alabama, uh, where you know government is dominated by the far right, and it, it often feels like such an uphill battle. But you never know. You never know when those phone calls and emails and letters and in-person visits start to add up. And even if it's just on one piece of legislation, maybe it's just one bill during one year that gets defeated or one bill during one year that makes it through across the finish line and helps people. If it can make a difference, it's worth doing. Uh, it's worth a few minutes of your time. I believe that these people work for us, or at least in theory, they're supposed to. Uh, so they're damn well going to know how I feel about stuff. As long as I'm paying my taxes, uh, I'm certainly going to provide my opinions. And that's my philosophy. 
And don't be afraid to use social media to spread the word, but just know that social media should be used as a tool. It's not a replacement for advocacy. And report at your union meetings what's going on and, and discuss it at your union meetings. If there's legislation that's pending, that's important or is relevant to your members, if you guys don't have a designated person in your local to kind of monitor this stuff, that's something to commit uh, to consider. Maybe you need a committee or, or a, a coordinator position where someone can be uh, focused on monitoring the legislature. So that's all I have for you today. I know this was a longer episode, but when it comes to understanding the legislative process, there's a lot there, a lot to digest. Uh, so hopefully I didn't bore you too much. And hopefully this will be a useful resource for folks uh, for many years to come. As I wrap, this, wrap things up this morning, I do want to mention some excellent upcoming training opportunities from Labor Notes. What to do when your union breaks your heart is their next workshop on Tuesday, May 2nd, and will run from 7.30 to 9 p.m. Eastern Time. It's an online workshop held via Zoom. Uh, really, really encourage folks to check that out. Uh, especially if you've ever had your heart broken by your union, which I hope you haven't. But if you do, this workshop will help you learn how to recommit to your union and change the culture into one where leaders respect and serve the members. I also want to highlight the Secrets of a Successful Organizer series in May. Uh, there will be three workshops, May 3rd, 10th, and 17th, uh, 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. Central Time. All of the workshops are online through Zoom, and it's based on the really, really outstanding Labor Notes book, Secrets of a, of a Successful Organizer. Session one is beating apathy. Session two is assembling your dream team. And session three is turning an issue into a campaign. So if you are newly uh, installed, elected as, as a leader in, of some kind in your union, if you are looking to get more involved in your union, if you're looking to learn more about organizing in general, just period, as a maybe as a community organizer, a political organizer, couldn't recommend this series enough. And all right, folks, that is it for the eighth episode of Shop Talk. Hope it was worth your time, and I really appreciate everyone listening. If you enjoyed it, please share with your network and make sure you're plugged into our work. Uh, as I said earlier, to start the show, it is on live, live stream through Facebook and YouTube, and it will be a podcast usually by Mondays. Uh, but with this particular episode, if you listen to, to it via podcast, you are missing the demonstration that uh, Ms. Tara Bailey gave regarding the Alabama channel. So stay tuned to the Valley Labor Report on Saturday mornings, which starts at 9.30 a.m. Central, live on WVNN, YouTube, and Facebook. Please sign up for our email list at tvlr.fm, and don't forget to like, review, share, and subscribe. And finally, if you share our mission to grow the Southern labor movement, if you share our belief in the power of solidarity and collective organization, if you want media that is for working people, by working people, please consider becoming a recurring donor at tvlr.fm donate. All power to the workers. Solidarity, y'all.